0: we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before him and and that brings the fear of God to me, to the fact that so many every single person in all creation is going to stand before the God who will judge all men. And we're going to have to give an account of every careless word. And when I when I reflect on that, and I reflect on it and I know it's true, I have no there's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that every single man is going to be held accountable to a holy God when that day comes, we've got to know that we've spent a life under the fear of God, under that knowledge that we will be account- he's going to hold us accountable for every careless word and that we're going to live righteously before him and be careful of everything that we say, everything that we do, every step that we take. And that we always do it under the power of God and influence of God and that the Holy Spirit is guiding us continuously under that. So don't harden your hearts in pride receive it with thanksgiving that the bible so clearly puts forth this doctrine that he wants us to fear him and he knows that if you do truly fear him well firstly you're going to get all the blessings that he promises and he's going to help you to avoid all those things that will bring condemnation upon a man was walking away after i um uh, anthony and i walked off and there was like a was it a gay pride thing going on and that sort of broke our hearts as we saw it and we're walking past it and look these are people that just follow in the modern culture and it's all acceptable right they're doing the right thing according to modern culture aren't they so in their heart of hearts they are feeling like this is right you know, I believe for this, equality is good and all this sort of thing. And they're, you know, they're passionate about it, but I I know what God thinks about it. And uh, so I walked away and Anthony felt the same. It just, you know, at the moment it looks like, it, it seems like we're just about fighting a losing battle to win souls into the kingdom. It feels like that. And we, we were reflecting on how, you know, we stopped one or two people and, We've got those one or two people, but hundreds are walking past as we're focusing on them. And then if you think citywide in Adelaide, you know, there's thousands of people walking around and that's just Adelaide itself. And if you go into the shopping centers, there's thousands. And it's so, the harvest is so great, isn't it? And we're just, we, we're we spending one day in the week for one hour and we're just out there and we're just talking to a couple of people, three or four, five, six maybe, and uh And everyone else is just strolling on by, thinking that they're living life according to the modern culture and everything they believe is according to the culture is good. But they're going to hell if they don't turn to Jesus Christ, aren't they? And that's when I really got impacted with the realisation that we need a revival of God. We need God, God to come into the field, don't we? We need God to come down and impact hearts and lives all over Adelaide and all we've got to do is walk past them and the, just the presence of God, not you know, necessarily because of us, but because God has chosen to bless us by anointing us to have that a special anointing so that when we walk past people, they come under the power of God because we, we're sort of like that connection between them and God for that moment. And that is what all happened in revivals in the past. The people that were a part of it would, would carry it to other places, and in the process of having that power, they were getting cleaned up they were getting purified they were becoming holy clean you know spotless people and in the eyes of God that God could look upon them and not feel ashamed that this is my disciple. Do you know what I'm saying? you know what I'm trying to say so God God as we know, all revivals start with God cleaning up the church and, and the emphasis in this church has always been you know clean up, isn't it? It's always been holiness, holiness. Got to get right before God. We've got to clean up every element of our life. Got to clean up our thinking. We've got to clean up our speech. We've got to clean up our, the way we act, the way we do things, the way we treat people. Everything has got to be cleaned up. And who knows we fail as we, as we make efforts towards that. But I, I just know that I keep reflecting on Scripture and Scripture, I, I see Scripture is up there. And I'm climbing towards it and I'm saying, God, help me, help me to try to apply all this into my life so that I can be a shining example. Not so that I would be glorified, so that you would be glorified and I become less and you become more. Help that to become the reality that we truly are not doing it so that people would think we are amazing. That we really want God to move because we want God to be glorified. You know, I think a lot of revivals of the past got, got crushed because of celebrities being raised up and people coming to see them not coming to be under the power of God and coming into the presence of God. You know, I, I tell you now, if, if I don't preach for the rest of my life, but God moves and he just does it all all the time, I'm up for it. Because you, you get to a point as a minister that you feel like you've preached everything. You feel like you've said it all, you've done it all, you and it's just like, oh, how much more can I say? How much more can I keep on saying? Because people have to come into that re- revelation for themselves. And, and, you know, and I, I love how every one of you here respond to the ministry. But I so desperately want to see God move. Amen? Who's sort of with me on this? Because if God doesn't move, you know... <laughs> what are we what are we we claiming to be if, if we can't have god in the house we're saying you know you need to come to god well where's god Well, come to church yeah well i came to church where was god i heard a preacher and he tried to stir me up but it didn't stir me i wouldn't let it you know when god moves people can't resist it's like whatever walls they put up god is great at breaking down walls God will smash them down, cut them down, and if they don't yield, in revivals of the past, people have been killed in the pew. That is serious. Serious. What happened to Korah in the Bible and the rebellion? Do you remember? In the book of Exodus? The ground opened up and swallowed him and all his family. And then fire came down from heaven and, and destroyed 250 men that were. Burning incense. God was God judged them. And that's what happened in revivals of the past. In Charles Finney's meetings, there was a number of men who were that rebellious, they came in and they sat in there, but they would not let the Holy Spirit come into their life, and they were they dropped dead in the meeting. Don't we want that? Not that we don't want that, but don't we want the power of God to be <laughs> we don't want people dropping dead in the meeting? That wouldn't be good. <laughs> you know, ringing up the police, someone just died in our meeting. Now, what were you guys up to? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Again, (laughs) did you say? (laughs) No, we... But we want God to move and have that sort of authority and that power to sort of just come into people's lives and transform them. Amen? You know, who gets annoyed with themselves? Put up your hand if you get annoyed with yourself because you just can't live up to what you know you should. I get annoyed all the time. I'm like, I can't believe this. I preach it, and then this happens to me. So God's got to do it. It's got to be a work of God. But we've got to reach towards him. You know, it starts with us reaching out. It starts with us, you know, reaching for him and saying, God, you can do this. And it also starts with desperation for souls. It also starts with our concern increasing and a burden coming on us that, You know because if you really truly believe the bible you have to believe that if you don't believe in jesus you're going to hell don't you so what the scriptures say why did jesus die if he didn't save men from hell through believing him if jesus came and died on a cross and it wasn't to save people from hell then why did he do it there's no other reason i can't think of to bless us that's what prosperity preachers will tell you he died so that you can have everything you want he didn't he died so to save people from burning forever. And if we truly believe that the Bible is the word of God, that, that should mess with us. You know what I'm saying? That should get us praying. That should get us come to, coming together in a prayer meeting and weeping before him for the souls of men who are going to spend eternity in hell. And women. Does it stir you? Does someone going to hell forever, say someone that you love, who doesn't want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who doesn't want to live for him, doesn't want to turn to him, does it worry you that that person is one day going to die and go to hell forever? We know a lot. And I tell you, I've been apathetic about it. You know, you just about say things like, well, they choose it that's what they want to choose to do, then what can we do about it? But God wants us to be broken about it. God wants it to stir us so deeply that we pray. Amen? God wants us to be stirred so deeply that you you guys start bugging me, I want a prayer meeting every day of the week, which would be hard to do at the moment. But if revival comes, who's going to resist the Spirit? it should stir us that we pray and we pray and we speak to them and we pray and we speak to them and we keep on doing that until we start to see them come into the kingdom. You know, I don't think it's going to, the reality of this is not going to hit us fully until we actually see them in hell. You think of someone who you love so dearly, think of the closest person to your heart and if they don't, and they don't, that, someone that doesn't believe in Jesus and then you imagine that person in hell burning screaming and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and knowing that they will never ever get out they're just going to scream and burn in pain forever it's just going to go on and on and on and on and on and you have to watch it and you're not burning and that person's yelling out to you why didn't you tell me why didn't you pray for me why didn't you dedicate an hour a day just to pray for me? And you're gonna to have to say. What can you say? You can't even say sorry. Because it doesn't make anything better for them, saying sorry. Sorry, that doesn't make it better. That person is just gonna burn. Eternal. You think this life is a long time, and we know it's it's a fleeting life, but. Is a year, it, it is a long time, isn't it? Some days are long, you know. You imagine burning for 80 years, would that be a long time? Actually, try burning for 30 seconds and tell me if you don't want to get out. A 30 seconds, 30 seconds in a bushfire, how would you feel? Your skin would melt straight off, wouldn't it? In a full, full bushfire, your skin would be gone, you'd be down down to nothing in no time. You imagine that forever and ever and ever. Now, if that doesn't stir us, if that doesn't do something to us, we've we've got to ask God, why is my heart so cold? Why is my heart so cold? Lord, take out this heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in here so that I can start to cry and weep for those that are going to go to hell. Because we're the only ones that can help them get into heaven. That's what our job is. That's why God chose you. That's why God uh, uh, appointed you to be Christian at this time in this world. He chose you to be Christian so you could pray and believe that you would take your Christianity seriously, that it wouldn't be just a Sunday morning thing and you go home and, you know, I don't want anyone to come up to me and pat me on the back and say, oh, that was a great sermon. Well, your doo Are these souls getting saved? Are your friends getting saved? Are people, are we keeping people out of hell? Our job is to depopulate hell. Keep it from getting populated. It's a big place. And there's a lot of room left. And broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many are on it and it's, it, it, they are just pouring into hell. Pouring into hell at phenomenal speed. That's how quick souls are dying around the earth. So it would be like this: going to hell, 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 going to heaven, going to hell, going to hell, going to hell, 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 heaven, hell, 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 heaven. Sounded funny, but it's it's true. It's true. Wide is the road. Wide is the road that leads to destruction many are on it and narrow is the road that leads to life and we have found it we're the few that have found it and we're supposed to bring them with us we're supposed to bring people with us we're supposed to go out there and collect them and say come come into the kingdom you know i have to say you know you've heard the word words of paul that is he talked about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Who, who remembers that in the scripture? Sharing in the sufferings of Christ. You know, that, that has many levels of application. There's the serious application, which is where you're, you're um, actually being persecuted at the level Jesus was, which is what happened to the 12 disciples and many people at the moment. That's what's happening to them. Amen. They're suffering at tremendous levels. They're actually crucifying Christians just as they did with Jesus in some countries at the moment, leaving them up there for days, torturing them as best they can for long periods of time. That's happening. It's happening to Christians. Some Christians have to face that. Will you turn uh, from Jesus Christ or we're going to beat you uh, to a pulp and then hang you on that cross? You make a choice. Turn from Jesus and leave. You know, I, I fear for the western church that when that kind of persecution comes upon the western church how many people are going to say hey man i've never signed up for this this is not what i'm supposed to be doing christ has never expected me to have to end up on a cross like him but does the scripture say what does it say unless you take up your cross and follow me you're not worthy of me that's a big thing but there's a, a, applications right down the line as well sharing in the sufferings of Christ you know Jamie and I were we, we talked to a couple of uh well four ladies t- two ladies and another two ladies are all uh, old, uh, more elderly ladies and the first one as we as she was resistant from the start but she she sort of uh with her friend her friend was quiet and she, I could see her friend was sort of believing what we were saying and sort of moving with us a bit wasn't she definitely more open but the other one was the woman that did all the talking and as we're talking to her um she's getting a little bit more hostile a little bit more hostile and then right at the end i can't remember what i said i I said something about um yeah she thought christianity that that's really what it means just being good and therefore all religions are alike in that and i said well christianity what's the name mean it means it's about christ Christ is a center, and that he died on the cross for our sins. And as I'm saying that, she she just barked out, it's people like you, you're the reason I stopped going to church, preaching like that, you're the reason. And I sort of, it's a a little bit, okay. (laughs) And she sort of, you know, she, she wasn't very nice about it, she was quite aggressive, and she walked off, and I went, okay. Sharing in, I'll share in the sufferings of christ and then w- it happened to jamie as well after that we're talking to these other two ladies and then jamie because you could see they were getting a bit funny so jamie thought i'm just going to tell them the gospel i'm going to say the gospel straight up and then these women were just laughing and you know getting their you know backing right off and just no 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 thanks and walked away and and jamie you felt a bit makes you feel a bit bad doesn't it yeah 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 and then I explain, you know, this is sharing in the sufferings of Christ. When people reject you, they're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus Christ, but we can take it personally. And that is the main reason most people don't go and talk to people about Jesus, because you think they're going to reject you. Yeah, it's, it's worrying that it's going to bruise your ego. But i tell you what, doing this sort of, going out and talking to people is very, very humbling. Very, very humbling. It's easy to get up and preach. It's easy to go out and just speak about things of God to believers. But to go out and try to reach people for Jesus, that's a different, different thing. And you've got to expect rejection. And you've got to embrace it. I actually welcome it. I welcome it. I don't want them to abuse me or something. But I'm happy if they do. Because they did much more, much worse to my Savior. Amen? Now, I'm going to try to do my sermon. And can you see that? okay fear god so turn to psalm 85 9 and it says surely his salvation is near to those who fear him so salvation is near to those who fear him that is that his glory may dwell in our land salvation is near to those that fear him that's interesting I won't make a doctrine about that right now, but let's keep on going. We must understand that all the promises in the Bible have a condition attached to them. They all depend upon one thing, and that is that we fear the Lord. Every promise in the Bible has one attachment, one condition, and that is that we fear the Lord. It's very interesting. I'm going to try to prove that, back up that statement and that doctrine. When we understand what it is to truly fear God and walk in that fear, God's promises will be activated in our life if we truly fear God. Beginning of wisdom. So Job 28. Everyone knows the proverb that says... um, I should know it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All right, But did it begin with Solomon and the Proverbs? Was we'll he the first one to say it? Let's go to Job twenty eight. Now Job, they believe Job is the oldest book in the Bible. So if Job said it, he was probably the first. <laughs> so twenty eight twenty eight. And it says, And he said to and he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. So the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Okay, that's what Job said many years before who? King David. Let's have a look. Psalm 111. So we all quote Solomon, but we should be quoting Job, or at least King David. Psalm 111, verse 10, and it says, everyone there? Here it is. Who was David to Solomon? Solomon his father so Solomon had a good dad he had someone who could teach him wisdom and and Solomon ran with that wisdom and it said in 111 verse 10 it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that's where it came from from David all who follow his precepts have good understanding all who follows his his directions his principles of life have good understanding which means we have to know what they are and follow them that's why we get taught so clearly in the New Testament what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We do the things we should do. We don't do the things we shouldn't do. So we do the will of God and therefore we get into the kingdom of heaven. Proverbs 9.10. Let's go to Proverbs 9, verse ten. And this is the one most of us quote. King Solomon said, the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy one who's the holy one sorry jesus i believe i believe the fear of the lord is the beginning and knowledge of his holy one meaning god's holy one the son yeah the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of his holy one is understanding so we need to get knowledge of jesus because then we have understanding let's keep going on proverbs 1 7 and it says right in the beginning the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline those that fear the lord will be instructed by the lord now you don't have to turn in your bibles because i'm going to be punching through them fairly quickly psalm 25 12 who then is the man that fears the lord he will instruct him in the way chosen for him. So the man that fears the Lord will be instructed in the way chosen for him. He confides in you. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. If you fear him, he'll confide in you. He'll tell you things. He'll tell you secret things. He'll give you visions. He'll give you dreams. He'll speak to you and instruct you in many things. You, you will lack nothing. Psalm 34, 9. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. You will lack nothing if you fear him. This is what I mean. Every promise in the Bible is attached to a condition. Fear God. And this is what worries me is because there's many teachings out there that tell you that we shouldn't fear God. Who's, who's ever heard some? Yeah, I've heard heaps. I've actually been rebuked by people who come to a sermon I did on the fear of God and I had, I think, 30, 40 scriptures all about fear of God and he came and told me that you shouldn't fear God. <laughs> I go, did you watch the sermon? <laughs> How could you say that after watching it? Like I back it up with plenty of scripture. So you will lack nothing if you fear God. Who wants to lack nothing? Yeah, fear God. Who wants God to confide in you? Yeah, fear God. There's a reason we've got to fear God. Because fearing God makes us do all the right things. Makes us live the right way before God. Stores up good things. Psalm 31, 19. How great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you. Good things are stored up for those who fear him. Which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. Protection. Psalm 33, 18 to 19. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. So his eyes are on those that fear him, mean he will look after you. Angelic protection, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. You fear God? He'll put up protection around you just by fearing him. And he delivers them. He loves and forgives. Psalm 103, 11 to 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He provides food. Psalm 111, verse 5. He provides food for those who fear him. Who's getting this? Who's getting it? Are we, are we meant to fear God? Do we, do we truly fear God? We've got to ask that question. Do we truly fear God? And I, I want to find out what it is truly to fear God. And it's going to tell us some in, interesting things about what the fear of God will do to us. Love for future generations. Psalm 103, verse 17 to 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children and his righteousness. So when you fear him, his righteousness will be with you and with your children and so on. So your children will stay in the Lord. All right, do you want me to... That's a good question. Thank you. All right. Think of it this way. We're not meant to fear Satan. Satan okay? Because he he comes and, and if you fear Satan, it's because he tries to scare you. He tries to um, put the fear of Satan into you by, you know, how vicious he is, you know, by the way he looks and, and so on. But we're meant to fear God in a way like we fear our, if you just say you you grew up with a really good parent, a really good dad, right? I had a really good dad. He looked after me and As long as I did right, I was fine. But if I did wrong, I used to know about it, right? But he wouldn't belt me unnecessarily. He wouldn't smack me unnecessarily. He would just smack me when I transgressed the law of the family, in a sense. I feared him, but yet I could sit on his lap every night and give him a kiss goodnight. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's why he calls himself a father father. Because we should fear him like a, a father, like someone that you respect greatly, but also he has a wrath. He's a God of wrath. He'll keep you, if you truly fear him, he'll keep you from sin. If you truly fear God, he'll keep you from sinning. He'll, he'll keep you from going the wrong direction. Because you know by stepping out of his will that he will discipline us. And he will. we will come under a kind of wrath. And it says that, you know, God would have to hate us not to discipline us. And that's why he does it, because he wants us to get right before him. Because you know what, if God didn't discipline us, we'd just go off on our merry way and do our own thing, and we'd do wrong, 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 and we would never get conviction, and we wouldn't have any reason to have conviction, because if we don't fear God, why would we get conviction? It's like a a father who doesn't care what you do. You know, you go out at night, he doesn't care. You're taking drugs in in, in your back shed, he doesn't care. He just lets you do it. He actually sits down and does it with you. You know, that that's not a, a good father, but our father has a righteous standard, doesn't he? He has a righteous standard that we've got to live by. So we've got to fear him. Another way of thinking about it is like this. Um, the Niagara Falls, who's, who remembers my um, example? Well, it's not mine. It's actually Joe Schimmel that used it, that you go to the niagara falls and here's this incredible sight this the most massive you know uh waterfall of water one of the most massive in the world and it's just like this volume thing and you're standing behind this fence and provided you stand behind that fence you can gaze upon the beauty of the niagara falls it's amazing thing to behold but you don't want to get on the wrong side of the falls you don't want to jump the fence that barricade that protects you and jump down in there because next thing you know, you're going to get crushed and dashed upon the rocks, aren't you? So the falls have a wrath, but it's beautiful if you're on the right side of the falls. You can gaze upon it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So God does the Bible say that God has a wrath? Yeah. He's actually going to pour out his wrath on the planet against all the ungodly. So God has a wrath. He's a God of love, but he's like a good parent. He's actually the best parent he'll only pour out his wrath on his children and just enough to get them back to where they should be so that you can get back on his lap and embrace him amen who who sees what i'm talking about yeah so but from everlasting to everlasting the lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness see it's always coming in in his righteousness with their children's children So if you fear him, you'll live in righteousness with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Who's writing down all these scriptures as I'm going through them? You have been? Good, good. Make sure you get them down and and go through and highlight them in your Bible. Prosperous Descendants, Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3. Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Again, his righteousness and fruitful. Psalm 128, verse 1 to 4. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. So if you really truly want to be prosperous, you know, and we do. We, I don't think any of us wants to not be prosperous. We want to have good things. We want to, you know, have a meal every day for, our, for ourselves and for our kids or a few meals a day. So you want to be prosperous? Your wife will be like a fruitful vine, and I've got a little a fruitful vine right here within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots, and I've got I've got one olive shoot. Or oh, I could say, uh, I th- sons and daughters be like olive shoots. Three olive shoots. <laughs> I like olives. Be like olive shoots around your table. Yep, it's a beautiful thing to have children around your table, isn't it? Who likes that as a parent? Uh, Thus is the man blessed, is the man blessed who fears the Lord. See what you get when you fear the Lord. When you live according to that, you get all the things that you want from the from the world, but in a righteous way. Then God gives it to you in just the right way, so you don't get corrupted by it all because you fear the Lord. Blessings, Psalm one hundred and fifteen, verse thirteen. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. Health, and you know what I, I did this and. There was heaps and heaps and heaps of scriptures. I didn't put them all in here. Um, there were so many more scriptures relating to the fear of the Lord that it was overwhelming. Health, Proverbs 3, 7, 8, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Who wants to be healthy? Yep, fear the Lord. Should um, tell all these fitness gurus around in place, you know, fear the Lord, mate, you're going to be super healthy. You'll be strong like Samson. Avoid avoid sin. Proverbs sixteen, six. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Jesus did that. Through the fear of the Lord, what does it say? Say it with me. A man avoids evil. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. That's how to avoid evil. How do you avoid sin? How do you avoid getting sucked away in that? Fear the Lord. Truly fear him. Our desires fulfilled. Psalm 145. Verse 19 to 20, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. So he hears us when we fear him. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. God's delight, Psalm 147, verse 10 to 11, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. That's who he delights in long life Proverbs 10:27 The fear of the Lord adds length to life but the years of the wicked are cut short so if you want a long life fear the Lord upright life Proverbs 14:2 he, he whose walk is upright fears the Lord but he whose ways are devious despises him so in a sense if you do get indulged in if you indulge yourself in sin it's like you despise the Lord you say, you know, I don't care about you looking at this. I'm going to go and do it anyway because I don't really fear you. But if you really do fear him, you would be very careful with what you do. So, you know, I know in myself I need to check myself with this all the time. I've got to keep reminding myself, fear God. Avoid sin by the fear of the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit because that's who Jesus died to give us. Protection from death. Proverbs 14, 26 to 27. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress... And for his children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Isn't that incredible? Rest. We should all be reflecting on these for a few weeks. Proverbs 19:23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. So if you, if you want to rest well, fear the Lord, and God will give you a pleasant rest. Wealth and honor, Proverbs twenty-two, four. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor, and life. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Am I powering this into you at the moment? Yep, hitting home. So, are you keeping up, Sean? Zealous, Proverbs twenty-three, seventeen. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Be zealous about it. Be really zealous. Teach it all the time. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Be zealous about the fear of the Lord. Don't harden your heart. Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. So if you feel like you're hardening your heart about this, it's in the scriptures, isn't it? It's all there. Like it's just, just scattered through the Bible. And, and like... Anyone who wants to dig for gold, you've got to go in and find the nuggets. And you've got to bring it all together and clearly see the doctrine. But you know what? You can do that, and it can be in the Bible, and Christians can get their noses out of joint, even still. And you say, hang on, it's in the Bible. Yeah, but I don't like the whole concept of fearing God. But it's in the Bible. Yeah, well, I don't like that. I don't like the whole thing that I shouldn't fear God. He's a God of love. Well, That's very simplistic. It's not looking at it from god's perspective god is a god who's going to judge us and we should fear him because what happens if god chooses not to have you in the kingdom of heaven what about if if you you know somewhere along your your life you turn from god and you just give up god and i know plenty of people that have and the next thing you know you're facing god at judgment day and then you try to tell him you, you're just a God of love. You, 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 don't condemn us. Is that right? We, God, God is a God of a, a, a judge, and He's gonna. We're gonna stand before God. We're gonna stand before Him, and and that brings the fear of God to me, to the fact that so many, every single person in all creation is gonna stand before the God who will judge all men. And we're gonna have to give an account of every careless word. And when I when I reflect on that and I reflect on it and I know it's true I have no there's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that every single man is going to be held accountable to a holy God. And when that day comes we have got to know that we've spent a life under the fear of God under that knowledge that we will be account, he's going to hold us accountable for every careless word and that we're going to live righteously before him and be careful of everything that we say, everything that we do, every step that we take, and that we always do it under the power of God and influence of God, and that the Holy Spirit is guiding us continuously under that. So don't harden your hearts in pride. Receive it with thanksgiving, that the Bible so clearly puts forth this doctrine that he wants us to fear him. And he knows that if you do truly fear him, well, firstly, you're going to get all the blessings that he promises, and he's going to help you to avoid all those things that will bring condemnation upon a man. There's a, a scripture that talks about that we're all going to be salted with fire, and everything that all our works are going to be salted with fire. And he's got, and and those that build on the foundation with with gold and silver and costly stones, those people will come into heaven. But others will if they if the the works that they've done are burned up. They will come into heaven, but through the flames. As I heard one minister many years ago say, with their backsides on fire. Yeah. With the <laughs> so we've got to wonder what we're doing for God, if we're doing things for God or not. All of that is going to be tested with fire. And that's what I worry about. And what I'm doing for God all these weekends of preaching it's all going to be tested with fire. And God's going to test it, and he's going to say, did you stick to my clear doctrines of scripture? Did you teach it? And I want everything that I do to be like gold and silver and costly stones. Amen? Even if it means not many people want to come to this church, even though God has been growing the church. But you know what I mean? We're not, you know... Um, we're not people will change the doctrine to attract more people. Do you know how much better people feel when you don't preach on the fear of God? How much better people feel when you don't preach on avoiding sin and living a holy life? And if you don't if you don't preach on um help, most people feel a lot better. It's easy to go to churches like that. But most of you guys have gone to churches like that and you got bored there. You're like, hang on, we're there's so much more in here and I don't hear it. Amen? So what do we preach? We preach what the Bible clearly teaches and it's hard truth. But it has to be taught because I'm going to get tested with fire. <laughs> I'm going to be salted with fire and tested. And I want to I go in and God say, well done, there's some gold in here. You know? I like gold. I'd like to have some gold waiting in heaven. I'd like to have a mansion. Who's, who's wait? can't wait for their mansion in heaven? Yeah? Can't wait to see what it looks like. So yeah, can't wait for that. I'll straight out in the garden then. Prune my yuc- yucca. Strip it, not prune it, strip it. So um, we will have yuccas up there, Judah. We were talking about yuccas last night. Praised women. Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised see do the will of God Matthew 721 not everyone who says to me Lord Lord very good bill will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father that that scripture I have to say that was the scripture that turned turned my life around as a Christian that was a scripture which uh, Came, uh, caused me to write my first book and it caused me to um, question so much of what i was sitting under i started to think hang on how come the will of god has no place in salvation in the teachings of ministers today where it clearly says but only he who does the will of the father so isn't that a salvational scripture shouldn't that be considered when you teach on salvation why was it not considered? Why is it grace and grace alone? As Eric Ludi said, if Satan's going to touch a, a doctrine in the church, it's, self, um, it's grace and faith changing the meaning of those words and you get a completely new doctrine of salvation. If people don't understand what grace truly is and what faith truly is and how you're saved by grace through faith, if you, if you don't understand it, if the, if the terminology has changed then you've got a completely screwed up version of salvation. And that's, he said, that's what Satan went for. If There's a, a brilliant video um, exposing this, this doctrine. It's, it's called Hyper Grace or something. Hyper Grace expose or something. And Eric Ludy, the first thing he says is that's what Satan touched.
1: You know, one of the key things that we see in the truth of God's word is how we are saved. We are saved by grace through faith. So if you're the devil, one of the things you're gonna wanna touch is those two key concepts. If you can mar our understanding of grace and mar our understanding of faith, what have you done? You've completely uprooted and undermined how we are saved. And now the Christian actually doesn't even know how he is saved because his idea of grace is messed up and his idea of faith is messed up. It's a brilliant tactic. And that's exactly what we see the enemy doing in our modern generation. So if you start with the concept of grace, Grace, oftentimes, today is understood as just a hug of God. Here we are just a mess, which is definitely true. We are a mess. And so God comes along, and He says, you know what? I know you're a mess, but I love you as a mess. And so He gives us a big hug, and you know, He doesn't intend to change us from being a mess. In fact, He loves us being a mess, and that's called grace, God loving the mess. Well, that's actually not what grace is in the Bible. You could call it more kindness, long-suffering, mercy, but God loves us too much to leave us a mess. You see, maybe he loves us while we were yet sinners, and that's when he died for us, and he expressed and shed abroad that love. However, he does not love us in that state or to keep us in that state. He loves us to help us out of that state. His agenda with us is to establish our feet upon a rock to wash us clean and to imbue his power or his life into us to enable us to live out a life that otherwise would be impossible. Well, that's called grace. You see, it's grace that rescues us in our weakened state. Grace does have attributes of kindness and mercy and long suffering, that's part of grace, but grace is a lot bigger than that. Those words already exist in the Bible. Mercy, you don't need to mix up grace and mercy, it's a separate concept. Grace is a work. It is an enabling power of God to accomplish something in our lives. And so what we see in our modern day is we see the concept of grace being turned into a license to remain in sin, a license to remain in the pigsty. It's like, no, God loves me in the pigsty. That's actually what we see in Jude 1 verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Well, what did these ungodly men do? It says that they turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness, a license to sin. It's like, no, we have legal right to this. We're under grace. They transformed grace into something that it isn't. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. When you turn the grace of God into a license to sin, it's an affront to the cross. It's an affront to Jesus Christ.
0: And he did that during the 20th century. And so Christians today think they're saved by grace and I can do what I want. And if I sin, it doesn't matter because I'm covered. How many times you heard it in this church? But it's not taught. It's not taught. I'm doing it for the purpose, uh, benefit of people listening. You know, and our podcast listeners. I was saying to someone last night, we have three, I think it was you, Jamie, we have 3,000 people listen to our podcast weekly. 3,000 podcast listeners weekly from around the world so that's a big listening audience you know we're a mega church in podcast land and we get about 45 for the life of a video on youtube because <laughs> they won't let us out there in in youtube land they won't let give us if someone does a search for a video that our video is you know should be brought up it doesn't get brought up so something's going on there Um, years ago they used to bring us up so we got thousands of views in the early days but now we get we get nothing we don't get in the search engines i even search for titles of my sermons and i have to go into like two or three pages in before i find my sermon and it's the actual title that's how far back satan pushes our videos in youtube land but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven and many are going to say on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. And I'm going to to be finishing on that. But there was one scripture which I I didn't see in this. Just hold on. I think I I glossed over it. Because some people will say to me, well, you quoted nearly all um, Old Testament. You quoted Psalms and Proverbs about the fear of God. Now we're in the New Testament. We don't have to fear God. But let's go to Luke Luke 12:5 and who do we go to our Lord and find out what our Lord says I will show you it says but I will show you whom you should fear fear him who after the killing of the of the body has the power to throw you into hell yes I tell you fear him is that Jesus his own words, he tells us to fear him. Let's go back to Luke one fifty, so a few few pages back. And Jesus, uh, was it Jesus? No, this is Mary's song. And she said, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So she knew, Mary knew, and she was, you know, what sort of mercy was extended to Mary to give birth to the Son of God. Let's go to Philippians 2:12. And it says in Philippians 2:12, therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know if you work your salvation out with fear and trembling, you will you won't sin. Fear and trembling. What's the trembling mean? It means that you're very careful what you do. You will tremble if you put your hand on the mouse pad to go to watch, look at something that you shouldn't look at. You'll tremble. I can't do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to offend my God. And he'll, I could come under his wrath. That will keep you from doing those things. A words about to come out of your mouth, that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. And your fear, the fear of God will grip you and you'll tremble and you won't, won't say it. Or a thought will come into your head and you'll kick it out because it'll make you tremble that that thought is in your head. Do you know what I'm saying? And all those things that we know we shouldn't do. We're about to drink in excess. We're on to our fourth glass of wine and we've and we, we got another whole bottle to go. You'll tremble and not do it. Say, I can't do this. I fear God. I can't become a drunkard. And if you're, if you're dealing with uh, drug addictions, you'll, before you go to stick a needle in your arm or before you go to smoke some marijuana or something like that, you will fear God and you will tremble and you will put it down. And even if you know you're going to have four days of withdrawals as a result, you'll say, I'd rather go through that pain and suffering than offend my holy God and come under his wrath. Amen? Fear and trembling. Work out. Work it out with fear and trembling before a holy, holy, holy a thrice holy God who's so pure that we won't realize you could be the most holy man on earth. Just Just say Paul was the most holy man on earth. When he stands before God, when he stood before God after he moved on, he would have still felt filthy. He you, if you can imagine the purity with which God is. And we got to stand before him. Amen? God told me today, really hit this home. Has, has, have I hit it home? You've had enough? <laughs> All right, so let's pray. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for this time now, and I thank you for these uh, beautiful people listening to this message here, Lord. And uh, I just pray that, Lord, that... Uh, What was said today, we will be able to apply it into our life. That Lord, we can take this home with us. That we can be affected by it. That it can change us. It can transform us, and turn us into the people that that you want us to be, and that we so much and so desperately want to be. Help us, Lord, to be uh, come under the fear of God and live under the fear of God, as you said, Lord Jesus. You told us who we should fear and we should fear God, who after the killing of the body has the power to throw us into hell, that we should fear him and help us, Lord, to really understand what it is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, how to be very careful how we live our life so that we can be holy before you, Lord. We don't want to get to heaven and find out that we've walked a wayward life. So, Lord, I just pray for uh, your blessing upon every single person here that you would uh, work in each and every one of our lives and help us to uh, come clean before you, to be washed in your precious blood, to be purified and made holy and help us to stay holy, stay clean. As Leonard Ravenhill said, uh, the miracle is that God would take a man out of the world and make him holy and then put him back in the world and keep him holy. Help us to stay holy, Lord Jesus, before you so that you could look upon us with favor and all these wonderful promises promised in Psalms and Proverbs could be ours because we live a a life under the fear of God. That we are governed by a holy God who we should fear because, Lord, you are not just a God of love but a God of wrath and you're righteous and holy and good. But Lord, we, we, we fear you in a way just like we would fear a father who loves us. Only if we do wrong. It would keep us from doing that. So Lord, we just pray for your blessing now and that every word as, that has been spoken today we could apply into our life and that we could be transformed and changed as a result and uh, help this church to move forward and uh, get closer and closer to you. Help us to pray as we should and live the life that we should. Uh, as we live it out, Lord, in this world. Be with us now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.